Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I am one of the co-hosts, Peter Englert. I'm here with our illustrious co-host, Aaron Mercer. And then we actually have our fantastic producer, Nathan Yoder, who's gonna be co-hosting with us today. We are here to respond to the questions you don't feel comfortable asking in church. Now, today's question, um, you might not feel comfortable asking in church, but there's even more to it. The question we're asking is why can Star Wars teach us theology? We are here with a professor, administrator, three different hats. Yeah. The Reverend Dr. Benjamin Espinosa. Thank you. Thank How you. are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You know what? We're not even going to jump into the, we usually have this co-host talk. We're okay. Just, we're just going to go right Let's in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, can I so hold good on for a minute, Peter? Let me yeah. jump in there. I'm excited about this. I want to give a little co-host talk here for a second. <laughs> so first of all, I'm excited that this is coming out on May 4th, which is a Wednesday, by the way. So okay. it's unusual for us. Yeah. But you know what? Star Wars, 45th anniversary of Star Wars. That's right. Why not? That's right. Um, so... Uh, I wanted to say I'm excited. I goes. I've I've been prepping for this thing, Peter. I'm excited about it. Um, I was watching uh, last night. I've been going through season two of The Mandalorian. Fantastic. Again, good. Um, because I'm really looking forward to the next season that comes out. Really, I'm looking forward to another Star Wars something. I think Obi Wan is coming out. Yeah, next. that's right. Um, but uh, while I was watching it, it kind of got me ready for this conversation because it's this, it's the episode where uh the mandalorian is bringing uh the passenger from um to a uh, a moon planet so that she can bring her eggs to go to her husband blah 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 anyways they get stopped by two x-wings who tell them to you know ping them and tell them who they are he thinks he's scot-free and he says may the force be with you and they say and also with you right. and so right. i'm like man it. right there we've got a we've got a we've got a theological cultural connection going on there and i want to explore it the Let's show go. is awesome too so yeah sorry go, go ahead yeah. peter yeah. i just i just had to get in there you know i am very happy about it so uh, ben, we'll, we'll have you say a little bit more about yourself sure. you know, in the podcast but perfect let's just kind of back up for our listeners why write a book about Star Wars and theology. No, that's good. I'm so glad to be here with you all. I'm really looking forward to having this discussion. So what happened was a few years ago, there was this book series that my friend Matthew Brake started called Theology and Popular Culture. So what he noticed is that there were a number of book series on philosophy and popular culture, I think psychology and popular culture, looking at like James Bond, Star Wars, Star Trek, different franchises, but he noticed that there wasn't anything specifically on theology. So he said, okay, this is a gap in the scholarly literature. So he decides to go to this one publisher and say, hey, we should have this book series. And the publisher says, yes. So there were a couple of volumes uh, during the time that I think were, uh, they had the call for papers. So there was one on theology in the Marvel universe, which came out. And then he was also looking for other books to be you know, uh, in this series. And I thought, well, you know, I like Star Trek. I like Pixar movies but I really love Star Wars. So I thought, okay, theology and Star Wars, it'll be great. I'm thinking, you know, by that time, I think my son was about one year old at that point. And I was like, okay, by the time this comes out, there's gonna be a lot more Star Wars stuff for kids and I'll be able to share this with him. So I thought, theology and Star Wars, let's do it. 
And uh, that's what happened. So, you know, got the contract and started soliciting my own call for papers since a lot of authors contributed to this volume. And uh, COVID kind of pushed things back a little bit. This was going to come out sooner, but it got pushed back. But ultimately, I love Star Wars. I love theology. I love the connections between all of them. I know some people think that you can't blend certain things from Star Wars and Christian theology, that that conversation shouldn't happen. But there's very much a lot of us who think that those conversations can and should happen because as Christians, we're called to engage uh, contemporary culture with the heart and mind of Christ. So love Star Wars, love theology, love the intersection of the two. And that's why you have theology in the Star Wars universe coming to most booksellers near you in June, I think. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before we get too deep. Yeah. Top three Star Wars movies. Go. Top three. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Empire Strikes Back. The Last Jedi, Rogue One. Interesting. Wow, in that order. I think so. Okay. Yeah, it changes on a daily basis because I think about this every single day. But today, this is how I'm feeling, and I'm feeling contentious. So we're going to have some good debates. So <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So just for our listeners and viewers, I'm not really the theology nerd, but I am. Nathan and Aaron are going to be running with this. So now you two have to answer what your top three Star Wars are. <laughs> That's right. What I will say, too, it's it's notable that Nathan and I both have Star Wars shirts on right now. Yeah. We are, we're sort of nerds. I, I love that. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> you do you. You do you. You want to go? What are your Yeah, I, I would say number one, A New Hope. I just good. love the classic love adventure. You can't beat it. That's um, right. Empire Strikes Back, number yeah. two. Revenge of the Sith, I think, is my Okay, favorite. yeah, wow. okay. There's, there's a good argument that can be yeah, made Yeah, I mean, that. my generation is is more the prequel era. <laughs> sure, sure, you know, sure. I'm not yeah. a purist. I, I like all kinds yeah, of Star Wars. that's right. So, that's yeah. good. I like Wait, it. this is a little too nice. I thought we were going to get contentious. Yeah, I want to affirm these ideas, though. Before he destroys <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. This is great. Yeah. This is, but, uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I, I, you know, I remember the original ones. Um and i mean i was a little kid when they came out i wasn't not the 1977 one sure um but so i always feel a little bit bad when i say that my favorite one of all of them is rogue one yeah but i really like rogue one it's really good i think that's really good Mm -hmm. uh and also i will probably have to go with after that um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go with return of the jedi okay yeah Uh, enjoy that one a lot maybe it's because of when it was in my childhood too Uh, that's the one really I remember the best as a kid. Yeah. Um, and the Ewoks are great. And the speeder bikes, the speeder bikes. Yes. Love them. Uh, and then, um, you know, I think I'm gonna, it's a hard choice for, for number three. Um, and I know this is not a traditional choice, but I actually really enjoyed the solo movie. Okay. Because that was, I think part of it was, it was really like. People weren't giving it a lot of credit mm-hmm. and before I saw it. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, it's actually pretty good. I so, liked it, too. Yeah, it's it was a good summer movie. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh. I was totally down for it. It was good. So, Peter, yeah. do you have any thoughts? Um, I'd probably say... Wrath of Khan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Peter. Wow. Wow. No, I'd probably be... Um, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Rogue One. Okay. I mean, at, at the end of the day, and I could be like really wrong, mm-hmm. as long as you don't say Phantom Menace is second to last place or the last place. Or okay. If, I mean, are we like that? We can the, go there if you want. Is that I'm is sorry. that the worst? Is that the worst Star Wars movie? Well, that's that's I mean, the silence you... of nobody wants to. 
be well, torched right. yet. Well, are you including are you including like the Christmas special or something? Because that was pretty bad. I mean, I would say the ten. You know, yeah, uh, you gotta include one just through the nine, movies. So okay. on Rogue right, One, okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, Phantom Menace probably. Is I mean, best. your collective silence kind of tells me you agree with me. <laughs> no one wants yeah. to say that any of them were bad. I mean, because they are, none of them are bad. I I I, I disagree. Well, I, I don't oh. think that's my least favorite. I I don't like hate any star wars movie but i would have to say it's either eight or nine for me mm-hmm. i don't think i don't think one one and two i think are notoriously like yeah they're the bad movies yeah. i think we're the prequels Binks, i mean come on we're, we're the prequels like are <laughs> we'll not, we'll not very good movies they succeed in vision yes I think. They, they do a very yeah. good job of not filmmaking there's a lot of mistakes you can see right. but I think overall, what the story that George Lucas was trying to tell, I think I, I really got behind that as a kid. Yeah, definitely. So, what I, didn't you like about the last one? Um, I think there is just every single like it started with seven, eight, and nine. It felt like they were trying to fix each other as they mm-hmm. kept on, and yeah. they weren't. If you watch, I watched all three movies back to back. I couldn't tell you what those three movies are trying to, what story they're trying to yeah. tell. They're kind of making up as they go. That's right. Like. Yeah. And I think there's a beauty to some of that in filmmaking. Sure. Just. But I didn't feel like there was an overall plan. And I, mm-hmm. I enjoy seeing characters develop and seeing like where stories go. Yeah. I felt a little unsatisfied. Well, the reason sure. I asked that question is because I actually wanted to turn it to, to Ben too. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, there was some differences yes. in those last yeah. several movies, mm-hmm. even even narrative, even themes. I mean, that's right. As you were doing this work that you're doing, this, this the, the, the soliciting articles and whatnot, I mean, did you see that come out a lot that people had a hard time? Did they have to focus on one particular trilogy, so to speak, mm-hmm. or or could they get common themes from all of them? Was there a disconnect? What did you What do you see in all this? Sure. Well, first of all, I I think nine was the worst. I think the rise of Skywalker just you know, like you said, I really like what you said. They're trying to correct each other as it goes on, but I think the corrections of the rise of of Skywalker were just not very very good and i really do like jj abrams i think he's done a lot of good stuff between lost and i think the star trek movies were pretty good too but yeah nine i just i just can't get behind it but you said eight too so i'd love to talk about what you thought about eight but it was interesting so a a lot of the authors did seem to focus on the on the diverse you know different pieces of the the nine or i think 10 or 11 movies but then they also went to the other media like the clone wars and rebels I'm sorry. Yeah, I think Star Wars Rebels, and then also uh, Mandalorian a little bit. So mm-hmm. I I made it so that uh, the the authors could respond to I think uh, I think at least season one of Mandalorian. So since then we've had season two, and then we've had the Book of Boba Fett too. So right. they've drawn on a diversity of kind of Star Wars uh, media, and even like the opening chapter of the book. Uh, written by a New Testament scholar named James McGrath. He talks about the idea of canon yeah. and even some of the expanded universe and legends and all that and sort of what that, the the uh, how that impacts sort of what we think about theology in the Star Wars universe, actually. So why do we nerd out so much about canon? I'm curious. You know, it's interesting. So like what what's considered a real story, right? What's considered canonical and what's not? I, 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 I think we want... Even though it's all fiction, we still want some truth in that mm. fiction, I guess you could say. And I could go on and on about the problems with the idea of a canon, but I think we want canon because we want things to be settled. And I and I do think that we want sort of a set story when all you have, you have like the fan fiction, right? We might not consider that canon, but it's stories and it's fiction and it's also valuable mm. as well. So that's probably outside the scope well, no, of the no, conversation. No. I think this yeah. is really good because... Yeah. We're talking about Star Wars. I'm guessing if you're watching, you're interested. Yeah. So 
I'm going to kind of nerd out theology wise Do because it. when, so I can't believe I'm telling people this. When I was a student in seventh grade, I was part of a youth convention that did the Christian version of Star Wars and it was some way to learn. So I uh, I learned how to look at this. You didn't even know. <laughs> no, I learned. I learned yeah. the proper way to do a lightsaber. Okay, but the debate was like so. There's a certain camp of people that see Star Wars as a purely Christian. You can and we can debate who the real Christ figure is and yeah. all of that. And then there's other people that kind of say. Yeah, there's elements of Christianity, but there's definitely elements of Hinduism. Mm -hmm. There's definitely elements of this. So where do you kind of land and explain like this is a mystical, it's obviously fiction. That's right. How do you, how do you land on something like that? Yeah, so people often think of Star Wars as science fiction. I think Star Trek is science fiction, but I think that Star Wars is fantasy. So George Lucas is drawing on the Westerns of his day, right? He's drawing on Hinduism, Confucianism, some different new age kind of mm -hmm. stuff, mysticism, as well as Christianity as well. So I probably lean in the, in the latter camp that there are elements of Christianity sprinkled throughout, but there's other elements as well. Um, and it's interesting. So the idea of a Christ figure, we always want one Christ figure. Oh, it's like Luke, you know, farm boy from Tatooine. You know, Jesus was, you know, a farm boy from Bethlehem, right? It's not perfectly analogous, right? So people think of Luke as like the Christ figure, but maybe you know anakin skywalker is the chosen one and then takes on this evil persona and then sacrifices himself to, and overthrows the emperor you know and everyone's saved as a result right so i lean more in the latter camp but i think that's an interesting conversation to have it's like who's the christ figure and i think you can make the argument for multiple people so there's lots of christianity sprinkled throughout but it's not a perfect analogy yeah so i i want to know what the christian way is the whole lightsaber first of all but <laughs> Uh, I didn't say there's a Christian version, oh, okay, but, sorry. Yeah. but it's, <laughs> I, I believe it's up, down, side. Like okay. That, that's, apparently that's the rhythm. I, I didn't even know that. So you probably have more Star Wars nerd in you than you want to <laughs> admit. Do you have any pictures of that? I know. I want to see these pictures, man. <laughs> in the show notes. In the show notes. In the that's show right. Notes. So, I, so yeah. just to follow up on, sure. on that, Ben. So yeah. um, not on the lightsaber part. Sure, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so, you know, I... You, you're, you were talking about how there, there maybe there are elements that you can yeah. analyze within the different characters of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Some of the heroes are some of the villains who become heroes. That's right, yeah. Um, you know, you had, when I was looking over the table of contents of the yeah. book that you have coming out soon, yeah. it looked like there's a lot of great articles in there. One that really caught my eye was yeah. this idea of, okay, what about the Jedi and... Um, the surprise of violence like that's how, right. what do you do with with uh with a luke's you know if you if, if you were to try to draw an analogy between luke and jesus obviously they're yeah. different but yeah but if you're trying to teach something from that what do you do with the fact that you have these warrior i don't know if they're priests or what they yeah. are but um I'm, I'm curious i know you didn't write that article sure. but i'm really curious what your thoughts are about that topic yeah, that's a very good topic. Uh, you know, I, I think that chapter it has to do with the, the warrior monk. Uh, and then also I think there's another chapter on um, like the nonviolent Luke, sort of like the violent Luke who's, you know, who's pro, you know, being Jedi and everything. And then the last Jedi kind of takes this kind of nonviolent turn right. and, and ends up, you know, not fighting or anything. He has spoilers for anyone, right? He ends up having that holographic kind of thing happen at right. the end with Ben Solo and everything. So honestly, it's a tricky issue. 
And I, I do struggle with it because on the one hand, you, you see Jesus who's flipping up tables and everything. He's telling his disciples to go get a sword. Then he tells them that those who live by the sword will die by the sword. So there's a lot of tricky uh, elements to that. And you have different theological traditions that'll say things differently. Like Anabaptists will say that, you know, the way of Jesus is nonviolent. And then you have some other traditions that might say that, you know, war is justified in some case, violence is, justi is justified in the case of defending the oppressed or in, in, in the case of self-defense. So I'll just say it's a good topic and conversation to have. But when you look at Jesus, how he acted, how he approached things, uh, the way he interacted with the powers that were at the time. I honestly think that you can have a good conversation about those things. And, you know, the topic of the podcast is, is why Star Wars can teach us theology. Mm. I think that it's a good conversation partner, you know, because you start to think about, okay, is Luke Jesus? Maybe not. He said this, he did this. Okay. But in that conversation, you're figuring out who Jesus really is. And I think that's the beauty of all of this. Well, and I think yeah. uh, to go on to that, like yeah. these Jedi Knights, we often think of them as like, oh, they're the good guys. Yes. They're awesome. That's right. Realistically, they're more like the Pharisees, yes. if anything, yeah, 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 because yeah. they're these people who literally sit, and I'm, I'm referring to the prequels, they sit in an sure. ivory tower. Yes. They are, they ally themselves with the Senate. I'm really going in there. Yeah, and, yeah do it. Yeah. And they're just basically giving them, they're allowing the Senate to kind of tell them what to do so they can keep their power. Yes. And it even yeah. goes to the point of you hear Yoda like doubting the prophecy of the chosen one. Like, is this, is this really, is Anakin really the one who's going to bring balance to the force? Yeah. Is this, who's this Jesus guy? Like, exactly. They're even doubting that. And I think that's kind of how theology can kind of bring into it. It's, it shows us parallels to our own life and how we exactly. can. Exactly. It's yeah. a lot easier to watch a movie and be like, oh, okay, I can see how that relates. Whereas yeah. like the Bible, as awesome as it is for storytelling, like we're just in our Western view, like we're more attached to characters on a TV screen. That's than right. It's like text. That's right. Absolutely. And you, like, it was interesting that you brought up the Pharisees. So, you know, the Pharisees get a bad rap, but ultimately this was a group of people who were trying to protect, to protect their religious and ethnic identity, like over against you know, Roman colonizers. Right. And Jesus, you know, comes along and says, you know, he's probably closer to the Pharisees in terms of thought and practice than he isn't. But he's also, you know, condemning the hypocrisy therein, right? But you're so right, though. And that's why I love the prequels, because it gets in these power dynamics. Like when you go to the original trilogy, it's all like individual, you know, hope and destiny, these kinds of things. But then the prequel really broadens it out. So right. we can debate Jar Jar. We can debate the acting. We can debate the CGI. But it, the power dynamics, the political dynamics, I like I think they can't be overshadowed. And that's the main contribution, I think, of the prequels. And helps enrich storytelling, I think, throughout the whole franchise. So, right? so yeah. help, help me, I, I actually had never thought about that. Um, so I, yeah. I appreciate all yeah. of that. Yeah. So let me use an example from another Netflix show. So I love Cobra Kai. Sure. And in the first Karate Kid, it was Daniel's son is good. Mm -hmm. um, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. He's bad. Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess, like, is it because in the 70s and 80s, we had this picture of good and evil and that that's a beautiful picture throughout scripture. Mm -hmm. But now, like in the 2010s and the 2020s, there's this huge push to have a more dynamic understanding. Now, I guess my struggle with that yeah. is on one hand, it allows you to have grace for your enemies. But mm -hmm. then on the other hand, are you diluting the story? And I don't. Th I think Star Wars kind of did this better than Cobra Kai because sure. it's a little bit more human. Yeah. Well, but 
But how do you manage that tension? And especially, it's not like George Lucas in 1970, whatever, yeah. sat there and said, you know what I'm going to do? Is yeah. I'm going to do these three. It's a, I don't know. How do you navigate that tension, the the black and white, good versus evil to the gray? Yeah, you know, you have a, a lot of, you know, black and white, you know, dark versus evil, uh, dark and light throughout scripture. But you also do have a lot of gray, too. So you think about David, a man after God's own heart, you know, uh, in his relationship, and I would argue a violent relationship with Bathsheba, you know, murdering Uriah. So you have a lot of, you know, good guys that do bad things. Think about Solomon. And I think everybody throughout scripture, you know, um, except for Jesus Christ, obviously. Uh, so to me, I, I see a lot of gray in scripture. There's definitely the dark versus the light. And I think even in Star Wars, they complicate it, right? So the Jedi are the good guys. They're fighting for truth and justice throughout the galaxy. But they tell Anakin to leave his mom which I don't think was a very Christian thing to do, right? I mean, you can make the argument, you know, cause Jesus says, you know, he who wants to follow after me needs to hate his mother and father or leave his mother and father, that kind of thing. We can debate that, but you know, I honestly think that that was the wrong choice and look what it led to. It led to something even worse too. So for me, uh, there's elements of dark and light uh, throughout scripture. And you even see uh, even the, in the book of first John, you know, dark and light, that dynamic, you know, uh, but I think that it's it's good for us to be thinking about things in terms of, you know, gray and maybe things aren't as black and white as we thought that they were. And we see the impact of that kind of rigidity throughout history. You know, this is one way of being versus this other too. But is Anakin a Samuel figure? Maybe. May, hmm. I never thought about that. I'd have to think about that a little more. Um, you know, someone who's sort of good and then gets corrupted by a system that's forced him in, into this kind of thing, reacts against the system, and then uh, ends up being the savior of his son and savior of really maybe the galaxy, right? So I have to think about that a little more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, I'm curious about, so another piece I noted in the in the introduction, or sorry, yeah. the table of contents. Yeah. And then you're, you kind of have an introduction there. We got yeah. a little sneak peek to it. Sure. Um, there's so there's so much good stuff in there. Yeah, I'd love to like really ask you about stuff, yeah. But I'd love for you to can you expand a little bit? Something that caught my attention was yeah. uh, the master apprentice relationship. Yes, and yeah. you mentioned in your summary that it was a refreshing look at the at spiritual formation. Yeah, um, and I also I couldn't tell was it written by someone who is a a, a Muslim, Muslim cleric? Yeah. Okay, yeah, Muslim, yeah. so I'm really curious about that one. Can yes. you tell us more about it? Yes, yes. So it's interesting to me. So when we were very intentional about trying to have a, a b very broad and interreligious kind of approach to things. Now, m like mind you, you know most of the authors in there are looking at it from a Christian perspective or a diversity of Christian perspectives. But we really wanted to have. Uh, a, a true diversity of, of religious perspectives, right? So uh, that uh, that chapter looks sort of like at uh, Muslim theology, the Quran, and sort of the master-apprentice relationship in Star Wars and its analogies to different elements of, of the uh, Muslim faith hmm. too. So I'd encourage everyone to give that a look because when you read that, you're like, there's a lot of similarities to Christianity here, master and apprentice, these kinds of things. So. Uh, I'd love to say more about that, but you just have to buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's right. There you go. And one thing that George yeah. Lucas does is he blends cultures. So because you have yes. the Jedi Knights yeah. who are, they're knights who wield swords, yeah. yet they wear robes and meditate yes. like monks. That's right. And then the Mandalorian, you have a samurai who's also a cowboy. It's exactly. this blending of culture and it really kind of shows like the creative process that they put into like these exactly. kind of stories. That's right. Yeah, I think it's absolutely brilliant. So so let's kind of come back big picture because yeah. again, I 
we're looking at this and obviously the three, maybe even four of us see spiritual value, mm-hmm. um, specifically coming from a Christian perspective yeah. of engaging this theologically. And so I guess there's probably some people that are listening and watching and kind of saying, I don't even see it. And maybe now I do. Sure. And it's almost like reading the Bible. It's like, you saw what? And so yeah. I guess as you're talking to people that are huge Star Wars fans, but yeah. not huge theology fans, yeah, what are you challenging them to kind of see and experience as they watch this? Yeah, so a few different things. One, so if I can just give a nod to the outline of the book, you know, like the first chunk deals with the theologies of the Jedi, right? So sort of this warrior, priest, monk kind of figure and what that means theologically. The second is sort of on um, on like a social justice liberationist kind of view, uh, as a, uh, especially in the sequel trilogy, because they definitely dip into those elements a lot more than the other ones. And then the third one is sort of like engaging classic thinkers like like uh, Aquinas and Camus and Augustine, these different like pinnacles of of of, uh, of Western thought, Western and Christian thought too. Um, but what I challenge people on is think about you know uh, the Christ figures, right? You always want the perfect Christ figure, and I've challenged people on this in different elements of popular culture. I would say, oh, so and so is the Christ figure in that show, and they're just like. No, he's a sinful person. He did this, this, and that. No way he's the Christ figure. But you got to understand, you know, someone who may be imperfect, but also is laying down his life for his friends and sacrificing himself, these kinds of things. So the obvious one is obviously Luke kind of sacrificed himself at the end of The Last Jedi. It's like, okay, but maybe Darth Vader might be a Christ figure as well, saving the galaxy by overthrowing the emperor, saving his son. There's redemption at the end. You know, maybe Leia might be the Christ figure. Uh, because in, I think it's The Empire Strikes Back, you know, uh, Yoda says there is another, right? So I've been challenged to think about, you know, Leia maybe being sort of a Christ figure. But when you look at all those Christ figures, sort of when you're looking throughout Scripture, you see, well, none of them hold a candle to Christ, right? So I challenge people to be thinking about that. I also challenge people to think about the Force, because the Force is sort of this Oh, it's the Holy Spirit, right? It's like everywhere and everything. But it's like, no, you know, there's no darkness in the force. There's no evil or anything in the force. Uh, and I, I I wouldn't say it's all completely light the way that they uh, conceptualize light in, in terms of the force, because I think, you know, we can have emotions and everything like that. But I always challenge people to think about the force and particularly uh how the force functions in sort of a pantheistic way. The force is everywhere around us and it's throughout all living things. And maybe there's some elements to that that we as Christians can 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 believe in because if we believe that creation is good, I mean, just as God said it is, then maybe there's a sacredness to nature too. Even though a lot of us want to say, oh, human beings are created in the image of God and the earth is just a dead thing, right? So there's the Christ figure, there's sort of the force thing, but then they also challenge people about this power dynamic as well. And sort of your comment about the Jedi serving, you know, sort of as like the Pharisee figures as well and challenging people to think about power in the church and sort of the dynamic between the clergy and the laity and and clergy who have way too much power and who are complicit in different kinds of uh, oppressive political structures too. Uh, those are the ways I like to engage these kinds of things. So the Christ figures, the force, but also the power dynamics in, in, uh, in Star Wars and relating those power dynamics to dynamics in the church. Mm. Yeah. So I'm... Uh... I'm interested. So there, you know, we're we're talking about these things, and obviously, at least 
at least three of us are big Star Wars fans. Yeah. I think that I think Peter is three and a half. He's there. He did. He did Christian Star Wars. That's, so that's right. <laughs> yeah, he knows it all. The lights are uh, uh, right. Um, so, but there's probably there's probably people listening. To them. I mean, hopefully, they're still listening to this yeah. podcast. Maybe we haven't lost them yet. Hopefully, who who are like Star Wars? What you know? I don't. Yeah. I don't care about Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even sure we should be talking about Star Wars and Christianity right. or theology exactly. and. You know, what What do you say to those people? And, you know, like, I guess even maybe going a little further is what is it about Star Wars that they mm. should be paying attention to yeah. as their, you know, whether I guess it could be for introspection for themselves, but sure. also even how they're relating to other people around them in their community. What Definitely, what definitely. So, you know, what I what I like to point out to people, there's sort of like, you know, layers to this. But the first thing I might say was, do you think Jesus was ignorant of popular culture in his day? There was popular culture going on in the day. And I like to point out in uh, Acts chapter 17, Paul's sermon on Mars Hill, he's integrating figures and poets and thinkers, you know, from the culture of the day. He's being able to relate to this audience of intellectuals on Mars Hill using the language that they speak, right? And I would argue that Star Wars is is uh, very pervasive throughout the culture, right? You're seeing the Mandalorian, you're seeing, you know, Boba Fett making a comeback. You know, people are rediscovering these stories generation after generation after generation, right? Baby Yoda, exactly, that's right, that's right. So it's, you know, we as Christians, I think need to be cognizant and aware of popular culture because these are the kinds of stories that people are vibing. And I, and I think that a lot of people do get their ideas about God, about the world, about purpose, about the role of humanity and its relationship to creation from popular culture, right? These are the stories that people are taking in. Now, I don't think people are taking Star Wars literally or anything, but it's definitely informing you and shaping you in a certain way. Um, so that that so that's where it's it's the engaging of popular culture that that I think is helpful because so many people are, are partaking of it. I think we as Christians are called to help people think Christianly about things, to be Christian, and to have good conversations. I think Star Wars is a good conversation partner mm. in regard to theology. So that's what I would say to that. And there was another part of your question I forgot. I think that hit, hit okay. most of it. Good, yeah, good. That well, was good. Yeah. You, what I want to do right now. Yeah. I, I actually want to ask Nathan, yeah, and then I want you to respond after Nathan kind of mm -hmm. goes. There. So, so Nathan, you're you're Gen Z, sure, right? right? I th I'm I'm 1997, so I'm on the okay. border of millennial. Okay, and Gen Z. yeah, young so, millennial. So, so it depends how I'm feeling during the day. Yeah, so you're right. a young millennial Gen yeah. Z. Um, do you get frustrated by like because you're really energized by this conversation and? you know more about the theological dynamics than I do. Do you get frustrated by people kind of saying, you know, like discipleship and following Jesus needs to be this, per, you know, pure play, read the Bible and pray. Whereas it seems like you have a fairly, it's not just an interest, you have a fairly significant and robust connection. I mean, how do you, how do you wish people would see this as you're kind of seeing it and engaging it. Right, well, I think that's something that's kind of been more new, I would say, like, whereas when I was growing up, it was very much, you know, engage only in the Bible, do not like explore those other kind of things, at least in the church setting. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's important that like, I know what Pastor Rob has said multiple times, like how you, what you spend your time with, that's what you're being discipled by. Mm -hmm. So I, I personally enjoy Star Wars, but I also realize it's a made up world that's, that's right that has a lot of cool parallels, but I don't use it as a replacement for like the gospel or reading the Bible. And I think to your point of like, I, I think it's important to keep an open mind from both sides. Mm -hmm. 
of like this is a made-up world but there's a lot of value you can mm -hmm. find it a lot of parallels the other side is like but if you're spending too much time in that and you're being discipled by that instead of going right to the gospel or like the bible that's where you should be spending your time mm -hmm. yeah i mean how do you engage that i i think that's a really good answer you know I, I wouldn't really add anything to that i like like you say so sort of what what i like to say to people is like look um you're in church for like an hour right and hopefully you're going to be reading your bible and praying and doing small groups these kinds of things throughout the week but if you're not you're doing a lot of other things you're watching sports you're watching you know cable news and these kinds of things are informing you and shaping you in certain ways so it's one thing to think about okay well i i am a christian because i believe these things but in what ways are these other things habituating you toward are they causing you to be more and more like christ or are they leading you away from christ now we can talk about whether or not star wars you know leads me to christ or anything but you know as a christian i get to think about these things right and it helps illuminate some of my understandings of um of redemption and humanity and hope and these kinds of things so i loved everything you said i think good. that there's a i loved those answers too yeah. I, I think there's there's also a a, a connection that you can you can make so, so I'm, I'm gonna step back for a minute and yeah. i can't remember if it was c.s lewis who said this or not i, I so yeah it's all good lewis it's all institute good. don't don't get upset yeah. with me if it's not right but <laughs> but like uh somebody and i think it was lewis talked about how there can be more truth found in myth than mm -hmm. sometimes you know if you're reading yeah. the paper or whatever That's something right. like yeah. that yeah. and uh as you're as you're studying myth um like a star wars myth you mentioned fantasy mm -hmm. Um, you can you can pull truths out of that, and, right. and maybe that makes you as a Christian. I guess it could help you explore truths that, like you said, it's not a replacement for reading the Bible, yeah. um, and that's where the truth is. But maybe it can help you get a deeper appreciation for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and for someone who is, you know, not a Christian or not yet, yeah, maybe it's a way to explore. I mean, at the end of the day, Jesus is the the way, the truth, and the life. Well, if myth helps you think about yes. what might be true or not. I think yeah. that's the beauty of where your book is coming exactly, from. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So like think about Tolkien, right? Who doesn't love Lord of the Rings, right? Think about C.S. Lewis, right? These are good, you know, like language of the word these kinds of things. And then you get into like Harry Potter and people are really skeptical. But Tolkien has like wizards and stuff too and like evil spells and all that, right? And I think Star Wars is sort of in that camp of things, right? Mm -hmm. So I think as Christians, we need to be responsible consumers of culture, engaging culture with the heart of mind of Christ um, and, and ultimately using these things, not only from our, our own enjoyment, because I think there's something uh, to be enjoyed about these stories. I think God wants us to have good things and enjoy these things, right? Yeah. If God created us, with the ability to create things, then he uh, he had created us with the ability to enjoy these things as well. And I think there's something inherently good in that, but it helps uh, illuminate the way to Christ as well. So I affirm all the lovely stuff you said. So I, I want to get a little controversial here because- Oh, who shot uh, first? Uh, oh, sorry. No, that's, <laughs> uh, that's in the contract. We're not talking about that. Well, let's let's come back no, to that. No, it's okay. Go ahead, Peter. Go ahead. We need to come back to that. Oh, gosh. So, um, so like when a pastor falls and if yeah. you read this book there's a lot on clergy so the pastor right. falls there's there's a tweet that comes out that mm -hmm. says for every moral failure that there's a pastor there's a hundred that's right that didn't do that and were faithful yeah but the reality is like there's still pain and hurt yes and so you brought up the power dynamics you brought up the nathan mm -hmm. that's the right power that's right and so you could in one sense look at that and say that's almost a 
kind of a pulling from popular culture. We're talking a lot about power dynamics right now. Mm -hmm. Yes. But on the other hand, like there's there's space in Christianity of how to kind of deal with this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I bring that up because it's sometimes we I think the problem with culture is we've oversimplified. Yes. So how do you wrestle with this is a very real thing with power dynamics. Mm -hmm. There's good leaders. There's bad leaders. No one's perfect. Yeah. But how do you kind of filter through the complexity of this situation? Well, you know, and maybe someday we'll have George Lucas on here. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love that. But like George Lucas is saying, I just wrote a story and tried to. So how do you kind of work through those complexities? Because it's not all wrong, not all right, but there Mm -hmm. are some legitimate perspectives and things. So, yeah, I'm curious. I want you to clarify a little bit of that, like the complexities around what specifically. So, um, that's a great question. So like you, I never heard before that the Jedi could be Pharisees. Oh really? Okay. So I, I mean, went right over my head. Yeah. So here's spiritual leaders and the rest of the movies, Yoda, yeah. is really great yeah and right now in our culture we're talking a lot about power dynamics mm-hmm. and now like if you're in power like it's 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 a weird kind of struggle yes so how much of it is kind of taken from the world mm-hmm. i believe all truth is god's truth so it's yes. how do we engage that mm-hmm. but then i don't know that i mean i'm just kind of processing with you trying sure to, no it's all good it's all good yeah so when i when i say you know Jedi's might be analogous to Pharisees. Like, like I don't want to throw out all the Pharisees, you know, did or said, because like I said, they're a sect of Judaism that was trying to protect its identity against Roman occupation. And Jesus's argument is he might be close to them theologically in terms of practice. You know, he does say, you know, uh, do everything that they say, but maybe not do everything they do kind of thing in Matthew chapter 23, right? Um, so he critiques some of the hypocrisy and the fact that they're adding on so much stuff to the law when he's telling them to get back to scripture, which is their original uh, intention. So when we talk about Jedi, like the Jedi as you know Pharisees or Sadducees, it's not that you know they're evil. It's like we have to understand them in proper context. But I think as pastors, we need to be very mindful of those power dynamics because you do have people in the church that you know if the pastor said it, I'm going to believe it. You know. Uh, but at the same time, you do have people who are extremely skeptical as the pastor, of the pastor, which is why it's impossible to be a pastor, right? So it says, you know, in um, in First Timothy, I think, um, you know, he who de- or the the person who desires to be a pastor desires a good work, and there's all these different kinds of uh, expectations that the pastor is going to have, and he even says, I think, in James. Uh, you know, those who desire to teach, you know, they're going to be judged a lot harsher as Mm -hmm. well. So we need to be mindful that what we say and what we do carries extra weight as leaders in the church. And we need to be above reproach, like it says uh, throughout the epistles as well. So uh, all that to say, I'm very mindful of the power dynamics that are going on. I think pastors need to be aware of those and understand the influence that, you know, church leaders do have in the lives of other people. And uh, for some people, it might be, an outsized influence and some people might not be influenced at all. So, well, yeah, yeah let me, ahead. let me ask you through that. Yeah. Is it disorienting yeah. to, to move from the first three star Wars to the prequel? Um, I'm probably not even saying that right. It's all good. Yeah. Or, or is it, it, does it make the story beautiful? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I love to hear you all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go. What do you think? Oh, I mean, I mean, if you're saying like going from four, five, six, and like the transition of like what the government structure was of one, two, and three, 
I think it shows like it it's kind of it's a Greek tragedy pretty much mm -hmm. like it's almost like the fall of the Roman Empire it's like they were defeated from the inside like uh Anakin was corrupted by the devil and it ended up being like he's not the chosen one at, mm -hmm. or they don't think he exactly, is exactly that's right but then he turns on them because mm -hmm. he thinks he can control his future that's and ends right, up yeah. turning on him yeah. um and i think that world is a little more interesting and in just seeing the the drastic change of like one two and three has this thing where like oh we're all the good guys and everything and then they even start to let not see like these subtle little things that are happening especially with anakin yeah and that's what totals the entire government transitions yeah. to four five six and mm -hmm. then 789 is just kind of four, five, six, just reskinned. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, are you saying it's not disorienting to you? It's actually much more of a reality to life. I think it's more, I think one, two, three is far more realistic mm -hmm. as because uh, four, five, and six is very much like, where are the good guys? Like rebels versus evil people, where one, two, three is like, who are the evil people? Who are yeah. the good guys? And that's I find right. that a little more interesting. Yeah, definitely. Think about this, though. You know, why did Anakin turn to the dark side? Yeah. I, I would argue it's it's because of love, you mm -hmm. know, because Palpatine says, you know, you could actually bring back those that you love, you know, by turning to the dark side, you know. So, yeah, we don't like the complexity of that. But ultimately, the reason he came to Darth Vader was because of love, the love that he had for his mom yeah. and for his wife, too. So go ahead. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. His because it's, you know. I mean, I'm sure everyone has watched that. Yeah, yeah. yeah wants yeah. to watch that movie. He's watching right. it right now. Yeah. But his mother um, falls to the hands of the Tuscan Raiders. That's which, right. by the way, I'm really interested on why some of the new stuff is focusing so much on the, the sand people. What do you yes, think about that? Yes, you know, what, what, what I would argue is that there much there's an awareness of the plight of indigenous peoples yeah. in the United States, right? So there's much more... Um, focus on colonization the violence of how our you know nation came to be and i think all of us are more aware of of, of, of the role that um uh yeah they're just more and more aware of of the uh of the of indigenous communities throughout the nation right and wanting to actually you know, highlight those stories as well uh and, and advocate for indigenous peoples throughout the nation so that's sort of the, what i've read the influence like the the highlighting of the tuscan raiders to be is sort of the standard for indigenous peoples Huh, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to think about it a little more, but yeah, that's sort of my take on it. So let's go a little lighter. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. So who shot first? Oh gosh. I told you we're not talking about that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the answer is Han. Han shot first because and the way it's supposed to be originally is Han Solo is a bad guy who's only in for himself. He's gonna take the shot in order to do whatever job needs to do. He's not a good person at heart. It's through the story you find out, oh, I actually care for these people yeah. I'm trying to save. Yeah. I don't like the the terrifying CGI of him doing that um, that George Lucas like edited in like 1997. Yeah. Um, just to prove the point that no, Han's actually a good guy. Exactly. Yeah. And it's also the thing of him going back and forth and fixing things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was Han, I agree. Yeah. So if we just settled <laughs> that, I won't talk about it anymore. Uh, yeah, no, we, yeah. we can stop there Good. if you want to. You, you don't have a contrary opinion? Yeah. No, I mean, the original one, obviously. That's right. Yeah. I think you go original on that one. That's right. So that's why it is interesting that you you like the movies that came out during that period, the new ones, but you have a problem with the remastered one of the originals too. Right. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I think that gets to the whole, that gets to the interest in canon and what is truth and what's mm -hmm. not. And I guess that's why I hit that question early yeah. on, like, you know, 
why is that so important to people in a, in yeah. a, in a world where we seem to wrestle with truth and who can you trust? And, you know, it's, it's a story. It's, yeah, it's right. It's Star Wars, but people really care about what is canon Star right. Wars. What is canon Marvel? Yeah. Um, you know, and they're trying to work things into the canon by having a multiverse. I mean, things That's like right, that. Exactly. What's canon Star Trek? There's a lot of stuff. We yeah. care a lot about it, but why? And, and yeah. what does that mean for And that church? multiverse stuff is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, they're brilliant doing that, yeah. I think you should respond to that, but can you define canon for those that? Yeah, you know, canon is sort of this measuring stick, right? Uh, so sort of like, you know, like within the scope of this, this is defined to what's been true and primary and authority on matters. So when we talk about the canon of scripture, we're talking about 66 books and our Catholic brothers, brothers and sisters have what's called the Apocrypha, um, which is considered canon in the Catholic faith, but it isn't canon in the Protestant faith. So it's sort of like this rule for uh, what we can follow in terms of life and practice, sort of the, the authority of, of what's considered to be true and good and um, primary and informing our way of life. So mm -hmm. that's how I would define canon. And we could go into the philosophy and all that and problematize who gets to have voices in the canon, these kinds of things, what perspectives get put in the canon, obviously. Because you have a lot of people talking about, well, these certain books should have been thrown into the canon as well, but because uh, Constantine had an agenda, then we only have 66, those kinds of things. But ultimately, your rule of faith and life and sort of what, what you consider to be authoritative and true. Yeah. So, Whereas in Disney, yeah. we or I'm sorry, in the other in Star Wars, we're just it's what Disney thought was canon. Exactly. Thought, right? Yeah. So you have like the legends or the, the expanded <laughs> universe, all these good books and stories and different characters that are sort of like, okay, yeah, we're gonna start over. This is what's considered true within the context right. of Star Wars. And they're even trying to bring in elements from the legends and the expanded universe as well. The so. pseudepigrapha of Star Wars. It's the pseudepigrapha, right, there you right. go. It's a good word. Well, but but that kind of goes back to Aaron's thought, which is like, why do people care so much yeah. about the truth? Because mm -hmm. we live in a postmodern society. Mm -hmm. We live in a society that, you know, if it's good for you, it's good, you know, like. Yeah, that's right. And so, but we have this entertainment fantasy yeah. that it like, it. I mean, people are legitimately debating. Yeah. Did, did Han shoot first? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because people, well, first of all, selfishly, I don't want to spend time reading all the stuff that's been written about Star Wars. I want to be told, okay, yeah, this is sort of the limit on the story of Star Wars, right? So they're trying to maintain control of the story and the characters and the universe and everything. And I think it's probably more of a, you know, a business decision more than anything else, obviously. But I think for us, like we do want to be told what's right and what's wrong, what's true, what's not, these kinds of things, even though it's all fiction. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So um, we're about to near, you know, kind of the end of the episode. Yeah. Are there any other controversies we want to bring up? Oh, man. I mean, you could, I feel like I can go through the Gosh. table of contents and there's like I, all sorts of stuff. I like The Last Jedi. I liked it. So you guys need to debate you and they. I, I've learned to, I, I first, when I first saw in theaters, I was like, what is this? I was, I was disoriented after yeah. seeing that. Yeah, same. Yeah. But then I started to see like, oh, that's why they did certain things. I, I grew yeah. an appreciation for it. But yeah. I don't think. I still am more of like I, I grew up with one, two, and three, so I oh, exactly. enjoy that more. Sure, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, it's definitely grown on me. 
Yeah, I, yeah. For me, it was I was disoriented because I really liked all of the the fan theories. It's like, okay, Ray is like might be related to Obi Wan or something like that. That'd be really cool. Or what if you know uh, Ray and Poe get together? That kind of thing. You know, uh, for me, what I liked about it is is it took this really idealistic character, Luke Skywalker, really plucky rebel, you know, fight the power kind of guy. And then he's like a grumpy old man now because his ideals haven't worked. And he's just like grumpy because of it, right? You know, tries to kill his nephew and everything. His nephew, you know, worships Darth Vader, these kinds of things. I like that perspective. I like that Ray was a nobody, you know, because we really wanted her to be somebody, but it's like, okay, maybe this force thing, maybe the maybe fighting for truth and justice is gonna be something that everybody can have. And at the end, you have the little boy looking up and he takes the broom and he uses the force to get right. the broom and everything. I like sort of the democratization of the force and of the, the Jedi and some of the ethos around that. And it really, I didn't expect any of it. So in the in the, in episode nine, I really didn't know what was gonna happen until they just you know, put a bunch of stuff together, which yeah. I disagreed with, right? So that's why I liked it. How how much how much do you think the newer movies were impacted um mm-hmm. because the actress that played princess leia passed away i from what i understand it, it was significantly impacted because you know uh b- before you had jj jj abrams uh, coming to direct episode nine you had colin trevorrow i think who would who directed jurassic world i think right and he had this amazing treatment and apparently it was leaked a little while ago so there's all different kinds of things and and Princess Leia actually has a pretty significant role in all of that. So it was definitely, I gotta think that it was definitely impacted. So, uh, so I know we need to move towards the end here, but I'm just gonna ask <laughs> no, this no, question. No. So yeah. go ahead. What do you think about the end, like the end of episode nine? Like I yeah. I, I guess here's where I'm coming from. I need yeah. to respond to it. Both of you actually yeah, yeah, and yeah. Ben, because um Nate, I know you're Nate, I know you're in the filmmaking world too, so mm. that the production world. I don't know. I, I wrestle with whether I like it or not. I, you know, I was kind of wondering if the at the end it would be like the good evil mm-hmm. battle, and then they kind of all go away and it cancels. I mean, why, kind of with the question of why is the why is the yeah. force and the Jedi not around anymore? That nobody, you know. Yeah. But instead, it ended with you know not that right. Kind of yeah. starts a whole new thing. So I mean, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I'll let you go first. Well, from then. like a filmmaking perspective, I know there is like. Movies are not art anymore. They are simply just how can we make the most money possible, and get and that's just how the business rules are nowadays. That's not cynical at all. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but would it have been more artistic the way I said it? I think, yeah, I think so. Like people, people hate George Lucas. Yeah, yeah. but he's an artist at heart, and I respect that. I don't think he's an amazing director, but um, he definitely has like the artistic um, characterization of how he wants a story to go, start to finish, and wants to bring all these themes and philosophies mm-hmm. and like parallels of different religions and yeah. stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I'll say like the way nine ended for me, it, like it almost ruins Anakin Skywalker's redemption arc because mm-hmm. you have the emperor come back, even though he was prophesied That's right. to kill him. Yeah. And now he's back and they don't even explain why. Yeah, so I I go back and forth because on the one hand, I think there's something very beautiful of Rey and then she sees Luke and Leia and she's going to take the name. She's no longer, you know, alone. She kind of has this lineage that she wants to carry. There's something beautiful. But I like the idea of her being a nobody, that the force is for everybody, that, you know, anybody can be a Jedi, those kinds of things, right? So I... 
I still can't get behind episode nine because like it literally, where, where does he come from? How does he get there? I know they're yeah. trying to fill in bits and pieces with different canonical things, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'm sort of like, why does it need to happen, right? I liked, you know, you know Ben Solo was gonna be supreme leader and that was gonna be a big fight between him and the nobody Ray. And I just had this whole vision for how episode nine could go and none of it came true. They just really planned, they just played to, I think, uh, fan expectations and hopes. So. Yeah, and there's a lot of theology like too, and the yeah. idea that Ray is a nobody because yes. God uses people who are nobodies. Yes, like, all the time in the Bible, and I think there's yeah. something powerful about that. It's like you yes. don't have to have, you don't have to have the lineage of someone. To That's be right. Amazing. You could just God can use anyone. And That's think, right. And that was a nice parallel. And then no, I know there's none of that, right? No. <laughs> yeah. Man, maybe there'll be another movie with the kid who's doing the who the, has the thing. Yeah, yeah right. maybe, hopefully. So yeah. Disney, if you're listening, that's right. And there might be a market for that. And that's he's right. Obi Wan. <laughs> exactly. Great, great oh man, yeah. that would be epic. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. On that note, well, let's close with you know what does Jesus have to say about this? And mm -hmm. usually I go like before the I'm gonna go first because I probably have the least amount to say, which is that's a classic. The sure. classic thing that pastors say. That's right, yeah. So here's what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. If you listen to this episode and you wonder why theology and Star Wars go together, take the take your timeline, rewind it all the way back, and just re-listen. Because we talked about Jesus throughout this. That's all I got to say. Yeah. You want me to go next? All right. Um, so I... I, I love this conversation, number one, because I love Star Wars. Oh, yes, yeah, that's right. Um, but I also really think there's there's a there's a power to it, especially as you're as we are trying to wrestle with with questions um, that are important to our culture, important to people within our churches, and yeah. and to people with uh, within our communities who may not be in our churches yet. I I think that you know this shirt that I'm wearing that has the alliance. That's right. Yeah. People know what that is. That's right. And 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 people connect with that. And that there is a almost a, I don't want to say it's a spirituality, but there's mm -hmm. a there's something in them that connects to that's that. That's right. Uh, and that's important. That's important to note and to uh, for to engage. I think you know. I was thinking as I was thinking about closing this up. I was thinking about how you know when Paul Saint Paul was in uh, Athens, he went to the Areopagus and he talked about uh, he talked with the Athenian thinkers who were having real conversations like about spirituality and and uh they they had the temp the two sorry the temple to the unknown god anyhow he used all that to connect with them about christ mm -hmm. and as a for christians who may be listening to this and wondering like why should i care about star wars and yeah i think that's a that's that's an important thing i think that's um we need to use what people care about in our culture to be able to talk to them about real truth to introduce them to truth absolutely yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. And I think also, like, why does I, I personally don't think Jesus cares about Star Wars at all, but Whoa. I do think I do think he <laughs> cares how we spend our time and right. our yes. resources. So That's if right. we're pouring into something that we enjoy, it has to reflect him in some capacity. Mm -hmm. And I think there's such um, we underestimate the power of storytelling. Like in the Bible, Jesus, how does he like kind of show examples through parables, through yeah. stories? And I think if we look at Star Wars, there's also real life like similarities yeah. and stories that we can see in the real world and i think going back to what we said before what like 16 year old guy or like kid really wants to read devotions or mm -hmm. anything yeah. but probably like star wars that's that was me yeah it's like i didn't really like reading the bible but then as i grow up i could see some parallels mm -hmm. and that gauged my interest to be like oh what does this mean and it 
I would say it strengthened my faith as a Christian. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. I, uh, I hold the position that popular culture, you know, particularly Star Wars, really is a reflection of the kinds of questions we're asking. You know, so when I think of the movies, the shows, the music that's out there, it really reflects our priorities when we think about our deepest hopes and dreams and fears, right? So to me, when you look at Star Wars, you're seeing a reflection of the stuff that we care about and mm-hmm. think about a whole lot, too which is, okay, questions of hope and destiny, you know, what's right and what's good? How do we advocate for the oppressed? How do we advocate for justice? These kinds of things, right? And ultimately, I, I think those answers, you know, land with Christ. Hmm. So just to riff on everything that you all say, because it's brilliant. So. I think this was one of the most fun podcasts just to sit really? back and good. watch good. watch you. So um, we joked, but maybe every May 4th, like we're maybe. just going to have to have you yeah. on. We'll so. just have to evaluate all the Star Wars media and catch up on that. <laughs> so, <laughs> season three go. of The Mandalorian, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Well, so. For any like debates, the email is Ben Espinosa. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Love Anyways, uh, this is Why I Got a Why. Ben, uh, you, the book comes out in June. We'll probably announce it. It, so just follow us on social media it's is there anywhere where people can follow you to keep up with this? Oh, you know, um, I'm not really active on Twitter. I do have Instagram, so I might post something on Instagram as well. I think it's Ben.Espinosa35 or something like that. But, you know, um, the book will probably be cheaper. I think it's like hardcover. It's like 100 bucks or something. And who knows what it'll be on like the Kindle. But at times during the year, it'll be cheaper. So, yeah, it's worth the investment, though, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out a little bit more about that. We yeah. are we are Why God Why. Uh, you can find us best at whygodwhypodcast.com. Subscribe to our email and we'll uh, to send you updates like this episode. And even if you made it this far and you're not a Star Wars fan, why don't you just forward it to a Star Wars fan? There you go. Anyways, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a wonderful day. Bye.